Viewer discretion is advised. Stories are run in a cycle of the news to where we almost become sick of them. What happened to the stories that dominated the news for such a long time? Did they ever figure out what the actor or actress's death was caused by? Who was the killer in that string of murders? Does the legendary creature exist? Or was it made up by someone simply seeking attention? How did that one person die? Welcome to the aftermath where we hop in our time machines and figure out what ended up happening in the news stories we followed so intently and then never heard the ending to due to life smacking us in the face with more happenings. Forgotten story. Operation Desert Shield and Operation Desert Storm. I was a part of the Generation X group of kids growing up. Being a big history buff, I had read tons and tons about the Vietnam War and the implementation of the dreaded draft. I think back to my first realization of war in the time of 1990. I remember the day or the night that the war started my mother and I were walking around a flea market. I've always been kind of a history buff, so if I think I could save something for my kids, I would grab it. I started as young as 10. I remember while walking around this flea market, everybody had on these ribbons that were yellow. Also, there were all these free stickers being handed out with an eagle and the words Operation Desert Storm. It was apparently in response to the invasion of Kuwait by Iraq. The last real war we had 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 been the Vietnam conflict, and it lasted forever. And I remember being scared shitless because I was only six years away from finishing school. And if this war continued on for a long period of time, would I be drafted? Would I have to fight in a war? Could I even kill somebody? So today we're going to go back and look at the Iraqi war and Operation Desert Shield and Operation Desert Storm. Let's hop in this bad motherfucker of a time machine and head back to August 2nd, 1990. Rice, 50 cents a pound. Beef, $2.81 a pound. Cheddar cheese, a block, $3.50 a pound. A dozen eggs, $1.01. Bread, 70 cents a pound. Milk, $1.42 for half a gallon. Doritos, they were only 75 cents for a two and a half ounce bag. Cost of handing Iraq its ass. $50 billion. As with every war, there's always a cause. The cause of this war, well, it was made to look like we were defending Kuwait. But that's not really what it was about. What the shit was this whole incident about? Three little letters. O-I-L. Oil. August 2nd, 1990. Apparently Iraq did not like the cost of gasoline to put in their SUVs, so... They decided they were just going to invade and give themselves a giant discount in Kuwait. And now we have to go into Operation Desert Shield. What was Operation Desert Shield? It was a giant worldwide collaboration to pretty much stick a middle finger in the eye of Saddam Hussein. And to fuck some shit up. The coalition consisted of 42 countries and was spearheaded by the U.S. And the Central Command was led by the United States, 
Saudi Arabia, and the United Kingdom. The Marine Command, however, was led by the United States. The Joint Forces East Command was led by Egypt, Saudi Arabia, Syria, Morocco, Kuwait, Oman, and the United Arab Emirates, Qatar, Bahrain, Poland, and Czechoslovakia. The Joint Forces North Command was led by the U.S., the United Kingdom, France, Canada, Italy, Australia, Japan, and Turkey. Apparently, Iraq's in the face of the world, and the world blinked at the same time. Invasion of Kuwait was really, really, really bad, and it really, really, really angered a lot of countries, as it would basically put gas prices in control of Saddam Hussein. But remember, it was really wink wink nod nod to save Kuwait. Who the fuck are we kidding? August 5th, 1990. Quote, this will not stand, this aggression against Kuwait. End quote. President George Herbert Walker Bush responding to the Iraqi invasion of Kuwait. August 8, 1990, the United States Air Force arrives in Saudi Arabia. They were there to kick ass and chew bubblegum, and unfortunately for Iraq, they were all out of bubblegum. Suddenly, everybody else's history class went from past to current events. Because basically, now it was a teacher's job to explain why the fuck we were there and what we were doing. August 9, 1990, ground forces arrived. Saddam Hussein shits his pants at the news. The realization that we are about to go to war is starting to set in. Yet somehow we hoped Saddam Hussein was not a moron and would totally realize staying in Kuwait wasn't such a good idea. <coughs> Spoiler alert. He didn't realize it. Same day. First Operation Desert Shield related death. The first Operation Desert Shield related U.S. death was Sergeant John T. Stone of the 160th Special Operations Aviation Regiment Airborne. He was killed when his MH-60 Black Hawk helicopter crashed during a training mission in Saudi Arabia. August 9th, 1990. Ground forces arrived. Saddam Hussein. September 1990. The first large-scale in-theater painting operation established at the port of Ad-Damam. In other words, this is like the final football practice for the game. Full gear. No contact. Same month, team from Walter Reed Army Institute of Research arrives to discuss stress and psychological status with soldiers. November 12th, 1990, the call-up has been widened in subsequent authorizations. Period of service extended to 180 days by executive order. Saddam Hussein thinks to himself, They ain't gonna do shit. If I hold my ground, they just gonna fold, motherfuckers. Wrong-o. November 29th, 1990. The UN Security Council authorizes force to eject Iraq from Kuwait. In other words, the world just told the United States of America to say to Saddam Hussein, You wanna get rowdy? Let's get rowdy. January 12th, 1991. Congress authorizes the use of force to eject Iraq from Kuwait. What this essentially means is, remember that saying we started with, with the whole being there to kick ass and chew bubblegum? Well, they were out of bubblegum. Congress just gave the United States an entire pack of Big League Chew while they were getting ready to kick ass. Can you say, here's a blank check? You'll kill somebody? How much time did the journalists have to commit to whether they were staying or leaving before the fierce bombing began? None. That decision was made for reporters. The bombers and missiles were heading towards Baghdad. The reporters located in Iraq began hearing rumblings that the war was imminent and coming very quickly. 
and they should leave the country if they didn't want to be there when the bombing starts. This war will prove to be different in the sense of media coverage. It will ultimately solidify CNN as a media force in the world. January 16, 1991, Operation Desert Storm commences and U.S. warplanes attack military targets in Iraq and Kuwait. The United States of America and the rest of Operation Desert Shield decides enough's enough and it's time to kick Saddam Hussein square into bows. According to Bernard Shaw, quote, Within minutes, the air raid sirens screamed, followed by the thunder of explosion. An unearthly light show from exploding big ordinances, and the Iraqis lighting up the sky with anti-aircraft fire. According to the journalist of the hotel, as journalists scrambled, some to watch and some to run for shelter, quote, adrenaline replaced any thought we may have had about being human shields by Saddam's regime. Saddam calls Desert Storm, quote, the mother of all battles, end quote. George Herbert Walker Bush goes on television and announces the start of Desert Storm. The coalition forces launch a massive air campaign targeting Iraq's air defenses, command and control centers, missile launchers, and other strategic targets. The coalition uses stealth bombers, cruise missiles, smart bombs, and other advanced weapons to evade and overwhelm Iraq's anti-aircraft systems. Iraq retaliates by firing Scud missiles at Israel and Saudi Arabia in an attempt to provoke Israel into joining the war and thus alienating the Arab members of the coalition. However, Israel refrains from responding and the coalition deploys Patriot missiles to intercept Scud missiles. The coalition forces are King Kong. Iraq are the troops on the ground, shooting with BB guns at King Kong. In other words, Scud missiles did jack shit. Iraq sets fire to all oil wells and releases oil into the Persian Gulf, creating an environmental damage and hampering the coalition's naval operations. Dick move! Great plan, Saddam. Get rid of the only thing that's keeping the U.S. from nuking your bitch ass. The coalition tries to contain the oil spill and extinguish the fires with special teams. The coalition forces encounter minimal resistance from the Iraqi Air Force, which either fled, surrendered, or was destroyed. Some Iraqi pilots went as far as to fly their planes to Iran, where they were interned. The coalition achieved air superiority to within just days. The coalition forces suffer few casualties on the first night of Desert Storm, while Iraq suffers heavy losses of equipment and personnel. The coalition claims to have destroyed and damaged over 1,000 Iraqi targets on the first night alone. Day 2. The coalition forces also launch their ground offensive with U.S. Marines approaching Kuwait City while the western flank begins to get cut off by Iraqi's army forces, which either fled, surrendered, or were destroyed. Iraq also continues to fire scuds at the attempt to continue provoking Israel, but again, it does jack shit. February 19, 1991. How did the TV news change because of the war? Iraq was only going to let reporting be done at Iraqi television stations. Any guess as to what was on the list of bombing? Yep, you said it. Television studios. Quote, we guessed that international phone calls, which had to be booked in advance so a censor could monitor conversations, would not be reliable. Surely the phone exchange was going to be a high-priority target, said Bernard Shaw. So months in advance, we set to work on installing a four-wire, a simple piece of equipment, in essence two open parallel phone lines, 
one in each direction. CNN had to overcome many challenges and risks to broadcast Desert Storm live from Baghdad. Some of the things they had to overcome were they had to obtain permission from the Iraqi government just to stay in the country and report on the war, despite the threat of being used of human shields or expelled by the authorities. They also had to set up a satellite dish on the roof of the Al Rashid Hotel where they were staying and connected to a phone line that could transmit video and audio signals to Atlanta. They had to rely on a generator for power as electricity was often cut off during the bombing raids. They had to cope with the danger of being hit with bombs, missiles, or any aircraft fire, as well as psychological stress of witnessing the destruction and death around them. CNN's coverage of Desert Storm was a historic achievement for the network and for the field of journalism. It was one of the first times the war was broadcast live to millions of viewers around the world and it established CNN as a global leader. Quote, something's, quote, something's happening outside. The skies over Baghdad have been illuminated, end quote. CNN anchor Bernard Shaw urgently spoke over the four-wire. Our live audio broadcast started as we watched targets being struck from the ninth floor windows. The television exchange building was one of those. That was the end of the journalists phoning in their reports, but our four-wire bypassed the regular phone exchange and were able to give a blow-by-blow account by the opening night of the war. According to Bernard Shaw, quote, if nothing else, it would allow us to communicate at all times between the Baghdad office and CNN office in the, in the CNN headquarters in the United States. The trick was getting the Iraqis to allow it. It took weeks of endless negotiations, schmoozing, and persuasion to get the Iraqis to agree, end quote. We guessed the international phone calls, which had always been booked in advance so Censor could monitor conversations, wouldn't be reliable given the current target. So, what were the first in the broadcast during Desert Storm? It was the first time that war was broadcast live to millions of viewers around the world and it established CNN as a global news reporter. It also was the first time that viewers could see live pictures of missiles hitting their targets and fighters taking off from aircraft carriers from the actual perspective of the machinery using satellite technology and camera-equipped high-tech weaponry. It was the first time that reporters stayed in Baghdad and reported live from a hotel during the bombing raids despite censorship and intimidation of the Iraqi authorities. It was also the first time that CNN anchor Bernard Shaw reported to the world, quote, the skies over Baghdad have been illuminated, end quote, as the first bombs fell on Baghdad, end quote. It was the first time that a documentary about war, the unfinished war, a decade since Desert Storm was produced and aired by CNN, featuring interviews with key players and eyewitnesses. The Aftermath The two sides met and formally agreed on a ceasefire for March 3, 1991. The coalition forces liberated Kuwait and restored its sovereignty and independence. The coalition forces destroyed most of Iraq's military equipment and infrastructure, including its nuclear chemical and biological weapons facility. The coalition forces imposed economic sanctions and a no-fly zone on Iraq and demanded that Iraq comply with the UN resolutions of disarmament, human rights, and reparations. The coalition forces withdrew most of their troops from the region but maintained a presence to deter further aggression by Iraq. Saddam Hussein did not react well 
to the ceasefire that ended the Persian Gulf War. He refused to accept the terms of the UN resolution that demanded Iraq's withdrawal from Kuwait, disarmament of its weapons of mass destruction, and payment of reparations to Kuwait. He also tried to portray himself as the victor and a hero of the Arab world, despite the fact that he just got his ass fucked up with losses that his army suffered. He faced internal rebellions from the Kurds in the north and the Shiites in the south who wanted more autonomy or independence from his oppressive regime. He brutally suppressed these uprisings with his loyal forces, killing tens of thousands of civilians and creating a humanitarian crisis. He also continued to defy the international community by violating the no-fly zone imposed by the coalition forces, obstructing the UN weapons inspectors, and supporting terrorist groups in the region. He remained in power until 2003 when he was toppled by a U.S.-led invasion that started the Iraq War. He was captured later that year and executed in 2006 after a trial for crimes against humanity. The Iraqi people suffered from poverty, malnutrition, disease, and repression under Saddam Hussein's regime, but many rose up in rebellion against him, but were brutally crushed by his loyal forces. The international community faced criticism for not removing Saddam Hussein from power and intervening to stop the humanitarian crisis in Iraq. Did you know? Although women were officially barred from combat, some of them faced combat conditions and risk. Five army women were killed in action and 21 wounded in action. Two women were taken prisoner of war. Four Marines received the combat action ribbon for engaging in returning fire against enemy troops. Women also endured the same harsh living conditions, duties, and responsibilities as their male counterparts. Hell yeah. Proving that they were definitely equal. Special thanks to the following. Health.mil, CNN, publichealth.va.gov, history.army.mil, khanacademy.org, history.com, ushistory.org, grunge.com, marines.mil, Defense.gov, Rumble.com, Variety.com, ByJust.com, TheConversation.com, Tron.com, History.com, HighPointNC.gov, Britannica.com. For the aftermath, I'm your host, Dan Hudson. Peace!